We are in the book of Matthew, and we're entering into chapter 12. Chapter 12 begins with the healing and Yeshua giving some Pharisees a correct understanding of the Sabbath. And then we get this statement in chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, aware of this, Yeshua withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. The bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. There's some few translations problems in there. If you read that last sentence there in Isaiah, it actually says, in his Torah, in his law, the nations will put their hope. But that's not really what I want to get at today. I think, as I read this, I think it's great that Matthew points out to us that Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4, are about Messiah Yeshua. But when I read this, I myself have a problem drawing the parallel that Matthew draws, he says, between when he says Yeshua withdrew from that place and many followed him and he healed their sick, warning them not to tell who he was, and the verses in Isaiah, I, I don't see the correlation all the time that he's making. There was something that Matthew saw on the surface that's not really readily apparent to us. And so because of that, I want to focus on prophecy today. If we look at the life of Yeshua... We're going to find that Yeshua's life was filled with fulfilling prophecy. Most Christians realize that. We all understand that, I'm sure. But how is it that in that moment, Matthew would see that Yeshua had fulfilled proclaiming justice to the nations and in his law the nations will put their hope? Do you see what the problem? Matthew leads us to believe that He fulfilled those words of Isaiah. The fact is, it's so hard to accept that most commentaries and most theologians want to tell us that this was added by Matthew or someone else. Or it wasn't meant to be there. It was just sandwiched in by someone. I mean, you know, if he wanted to say that Yeshua was fulfilling the prophecy of healing, why did Matthew then quote so much of the prophecy? Not just cut it off with the healing part. Leave off justice for the nations. Well, part of the problem is that our understanding of this word fulfill, if we look at the word fulfill in the Greek, it doesn't mean to complete over and done with as we often think. But it means to add fullness, to add meaning. Yeshua did not fulfill this prophecy in the sense of completing it, but he fulfilled it in the sense of adding fullness to it, of adding meaning to it. So much so that now Matthew understood that this was about the Messiah. And this is what he came to do. And he also wants us to know that fact. So he says, Yeshua filled up this prophecy with meaning. Not as completed over and done, but with meaning. And we make the same mistake with this word when we read Matthew chapter 5, where Yeshua says, I have come to fulfill the law. He didn't come to complete it, to end it. He came to fill it up with meaning. 
You see, if we look at this word for completeness, this word as incompleteness, if we were to look at it in that way, in fact, we are the ones who are the fulfillers of this prophecy. We are the ones from the nations who are putting their hope in his name. We're completing the prophecy. You see, that's not what Matthew meant. Matthew is saying, look, the, the book. Look at what I've written so far. Look at what I've told you about so far, what he's done so far. See, he brings fullness to this prophecy. Yeshua, of course, completed prophecy as in completed, over and done. We can see that in his last words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And with that, we can understand that Yeshua completed the prophecy of his death in in Psalm 22, which is the way that psalm begins. Well, anyway, I want, with that in mind, all of this got me thinking a few years ago. And I came to a revelation, I came to the revelation that just as Yeshua's life was a life that filled up prophecy with meaning, a life that filled up prophecy as in filled as in completed, we too, Matthew too, and all the people in the book did the same thing. We do it today. Every man on the face of the earth is fulfilling prophecy in one way or another. The revelation came to me that our lives are the same as Yeshua's in that we are continually fulfilling prophecy as in bringing meaning to the words of the prophet Messiah Yeshua and the prophet Isaiah. With everything we do, we're completing prophecy in some way. Do you believe that? Have you ever thought about it like that? Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want you to think, go away, well, Stan finally fell off the deep end here. So I want to give you an example. And and in this example, I want you to just imagine that I were writing a letter like Matthew's writing a letter, like Shaul wrote letters. I'm writing a letter to a group of people in the church, and I might write this letter this way. In 1993, about 20 people gathered at the home of Shira Rosnick. In the month of October, during the Feast of Sukkot. And under the shelter of a large sukkah, Nancy Santiago led worship. And Stan Farr led those who were there in the temple prayers for Sukkot. And he gave a message about the festival of Sukkot. This was all done so that the words of Yeshua the prophet might be fulfilled. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You see, the actions of those gathered that day added meaning and understanding to the words of Yeshua. They also started a process to complete this prophecy in the lives of those there and other people who weren't there. Just as surely as Yeshua fulfilled the words of Isaiah. It added meaning because when Yeshua said a time is coming, he was speaking of the future. And when he said and has now come, he was speaking of his day. And of those two times, he said they would worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, Yeshua knew what Paul would later understand. And he writes for us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock even from your own number. Men will arise to distort the truth, to draw disciples after them. So be on your guard 
And remember that for three years I never stopped warning you each day and night with tears. You see, Yeshua knew that the worship of the Father in spirit and in truth would be distorted, it would be lost, but then it would be restored. And so, on a cold October day, 20 or so people gathered, said the temple prayers, just as the disciples would have on that day. They heard the true meaning of the festival of Sukkot, just as the disciples understood it, and sang songs of praise and thanksgiving to God and Messiah, fulfilling this prophecy. Now with that under your belt, let me give you just another chapter of the letter. Let's, I'd go on. Fifteen years ago, Kehilat Sar Shalom and Stan Far began a radio program called Vine and Branches. And the first programs that aired were on the festivals of the Lord, explaining their meaning, the worship that was done in the temple on those days. And this was done so that the words of Yeshua might be fulfilled. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Do you see what I'm getting at today? Everything that we do, some way, somehow, fulfills prophecy, just as Yeshua did on that day. When we move away from the worship of the Father in spirit and truth, we fulfill prophecy in another way, in the way Shaul spoke of as he left Ephesus. We persist in our actions and add meaning to the distortion that crept in. You know, I spoke last Sabbath, uh, last Sabbath, last week on the Sabbath. And the point I was trying to make with the Sabbath was every time that we gather here on the Sabbath, each and every service we do, each and every time we say this temple prayers, each and every time we come and hear some understanding of the Torah or Matthew that restores a correct understanding of the word of God, we're fulfilling this prophecy of John 4.23. We're filling it up in completeness, in that we're doing it, and we're filling it up with meaning for others. Every time a visitor comes through those doors and hears a Hebraic understanding of the word of God, we fulfill John 4.23. Every radio show that's listened to that someone goes away from that program with a true understanding, or every episode of Out of Zion that someone finds the Messiah in the Torah or in the prophets, as Matthew did in Isaiah, as he recorded for us in chapter 12, this passage of John 4.23 is fulfilled. And if you're part of KSS, then you fulfill the words of Yeshua because by your support, you're as much a part of vine and branches and out of Zion and the messages spoken there as if you yourself were speaking them because you support them. Each time you keep the Sabbath and do these things, you fulfill the words of Yeshua. Each time you keep and do these things, you fulfill the words of Jeremiah the prophet as well. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 6 and verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Each time we gather on the Sabbath or restore understanding, each time we restore the service of the temple, we turn back to the ancient paths of Yeshua the ones that Yeshua and the disciples walked. 
and we walk in that path and we find rest for our souls. Each time we fail to keep those things, everyone who hears the words and teachings and everyone who rejects the truths or fails to walk by the Spirit of God and fulfills, he also fulfills the prophecy of Jeremiah. Same chapter, just the next few verses. Let's read it. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and you said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations. Observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth. I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. Now, I use this passage. I could have used many others, but I use this passage because the choice is so clear. The choice we make daily is so clear. Are you starting to see what I'm speaking of? Are you starting to understand the disciples of Yeshua realize something that we don't realize that's been taken away from us? We don't realize it in this life. And let me tell you what it is. This life is not a game. It's not just passing time waiting for the return of the Messiah or going to church and synagogue each week because it's the thing to do. Here's what they know, knew. And here's what I want you to see. With everything that we do, we're writing a continuation of the Bible, particularly the book of Acts. We are, with everything we do, fulfilling the word of the Lord in one way or the other. And what I'm trying to get across to you is how important this life is. How precious your time. So finite, so short. And then your chance to affect anything for God. To fulfill prophecy positively is over. And you'll never get that chance again. Even if you make it to eternity, this chance will never come again. Let me give you an example how fast your opportunity can come and how fast your opportunity can pass you by. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11 says. He says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It makes the statement that faith is confidence in what is unseen. And then it goes on to give example after example of those who trusted in God, though they did not see, touch, or feel what they had hoped for. And I always like the example of Abraham because it's so clear, it's so clean, it's so cut and dry. God tells him, go offer your son Isaac on the altar. And think about it, everything that Abraham knows to be true in this life tells him that once that knife touches his son's son's throat, once that fire is lit, he'll never see his son again. He's offered animals before. He knows that in just a short time, there'll be nothing left on that altar but a pile of bones. Even though everything that he's learned in life tells him one thing, he's certain that God has told him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
And so in this one opportunity, he has this one opportunity to show the depth of his faith. That he had confidence in the words of God. He ascended to the mount of the Lord to offer his son Isaac that day. In that moment, Isaac ascends also to God to being one of the most important men in the Bible because of what he did, of the choice he made. So much so that because of that one moment, that one opportunity, he became the father of all who trust in God in this way. Abraham rose to the occasion... And that occasion only came once in his life. One time to show the depth of the faith he had or the doubt he had. Let's look at another. Yeshua tells his disciples something as they recline at the Last Supper. He says this, You will fall away, Yeshua told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd And the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Yeshua tells them as they're at this supper of this prophecy in Zechariah 13 will not only be filled with meaning, but it will also be completed. In just a matter of hours, the shepherd will be struck. The Son of Man had to suffer, had to be raised up on the third day. The Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Each of those men had an opportunity like Abraham to believe Yeshua and the word of God over everything else in life that they knew to be true. They could trust those words of the Master and the prophecies of Scripture and trust the word of God over everything else that they had experienced in life, everything else they knew to be true, their moment had come to complete prophecy in one way or another. Because prophecy will always be fulfilled in one way or another. Listen to Mark 14, verse 72. Immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and then Peter remembered the words Yeshua had spoken. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Now read this in John chapter 20 and verse 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Yeshua came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Yeshua came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. I put these verses up about these two men to show you how fast your opportunity can come and can go. Peter and then Thomas had this one opportunity to believe Yeshua over everything else they knew to be true, to be certain of what they did not see. 
to be of the faith of Abraham. And it passed them by. They'll never get that chance again. They failed. And Peter, like no other event in his life, will be remembered for this one. That's why you see pictures of roosters in churches. Because Peter will be remembered for this one. And Thomas will always, for now and eternity, have doubting as a first name. Well, they went on to do things for God. They repented. They, they turned back to God. They trusted God. But in this one chance, this one opportunity to be of the faith of Abraham, it had passed them by. Because faith is confidence in what is unseen. Thomas will never have that opportunity to show his faith in this way again because Thomas touched the nail holes. He believed only after what was unseen was no longer unseen. And faith is confidence in what is unseen. This life, this is life, and it happens fast. Opportunities come and go just that fast. And no one knows when they come. No one knows how many of them will have. They just come and they go. And you fulfill prophecy one way or another. You see, what I do know for certain is that we are all writing a continuation of the book of Acts. If you haven't figured it out yet, each time you pick up the Bible, each week you read the Torah and the rest of the Bible, we're reading the history of the kingdom of heaven. We read sections on these men like Peter, Thomas, Shaul in the book of Acts. But make no mistake, Constantine has his section. Luther has his section. The book is being written daily. You and I will have our page. So we need to be asking ourselves, what are the words that we're leaving on that page? How will those words fulfill Prophecy in our lives. I don't think many people get it. I think many live their lives like Thomas. I'm waiting to see. I'm just going to wait to see. I'll just live my life. And when I see Yeshua coming on the clouds, then I'll see. The opportunities to fulfill the positive prophecies pass by. And we fulfill them in another way because they will be fulfilled one way or the other. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> that in these last few years, I've dwelled on these thoughts. I mean, it's like it's always at the forefront of what I'm doing. Because... You know, I know from having been saved so late in my life how much time I had already wasted. And I knew I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to run faster than others. And I realize now how short, time, how short the time we all have left is. How fast those opportunities come and how much faster they pass by. You might see them coming, but they go by real fast and the fact is 
They'll never come again. And that for me now is clearer and more haunting for me. They come in moments and pass by in seconds or minutes. Those moments of decision are what eternity will record for you. How will you be remembered? How you will be remembered can be boiled down to one decision in one fleeting moment's time. Like Peter. He hardly had time to think. And because of all the pressures that were going around him, couldn't you put yourself in his place? People asking him questions. Messiah is going to be crucified. Can you put yourself in that place for a minute? You see, when I think about it, when I think about how short time is, I'm always drawn to... 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because Shaul knew how short time was too. He, he writes this way in verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Don't you know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who completes, competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. One opportunity, one life, one race to run, one fleeting race. We've all started the race. We've all entered the race. We're just waiting to see who's going to run well. And more important, who will finish the race? And even as important, who will finish the race as strong as when they started? Who will put their faith continually at work so that the one, shall we say, Abraham moment in their life won't pass them by? And they have a Thomas moment. This is life. And it's all about Yeshua. It's all about fulfilling His words. This is what it's all about. Everything Yeshua did fulfilled prophecy. And everything you do in life will do the same. This is no game we're playing. It's a run for life that is life. It's a run through the birth canal to life that is life. It's how we'll be remembered for eternity. It's permanent. It's final. It's eternally final. To point this up, let's look at one, at Yeshua one more time because it's really all about Yeshua. You've all heard me speak before about the final day of his life. You've probably been to a Seder. And how he was beaten beyond recognition of a man. Fulfilling the words of Isaiah again. He was pierced. Fulfilling the words of Psalm 22. You know, we sing a song. In fact, we sang it last night. I wished we would have sang it today. But we sing a song. Dance with me. It speaks about dancing with our groom. With the Messiah, as He comes for us, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Dance with me, O lover of my soul. I wonder if the writer 
ever considered these words. Revelation chapter 5 verse 6 says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. John in his book, John in his look at the Messiah on the throne, saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. You see, well, we think, and don't deny this, gals, especially the gals, because you wear your feelings on your sleeves. But I see it in your faces as you sing and dance. And I can see that the idea of a white knight coming down from heaven on a white horse asking you to dance. Problem is, our idea of the knight is a bit skewed. Because as we just read, he's going to be looking like a lamb who has been slain. He's going to be coming with scars on his hands and his feet. His face kicked and beaten. Remember, when he had risen, he walked on the road to Emmaus, unrecognized by those he was walking with. And this is why. But have no fear. Through every scar, the moment you see him, he will be the most beautiful sight you've ever seen. Because each and one, every one of those holes, each and every one of those bruises are a fulfillment of prophecy that meant the nations would have something to hope for. Each one meant the healing of the awful scars on your body because of sin in your life. And the point I want to make to you today is that what you do in this life will be what you are remembered for. The scars of Yeshua will never fade because they are His glory. They are the beauty of our Messiah. Well, by now, you know what's probably coming next, right? The question. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? Let me say, 20 years ago, I stood at a crossroad. I left Seattle. I came here to Minnesota, and there was no Messianic congregation here as I knew Messianic. And I thought and I prayed, Lord, I cried out to the Lord, Lord, I'll just go up north. I'll, find, I'll buy a house up there. I'll, I'll study your word. I'll worship you. I don't need a preacher. I have you to teach me. I know all the books to read. I got the books to read. I can just fill myself with you and the word. I'll go up there. I don't need this. Well, if I had done that, I would be like one of the lights Yeshua speaks of that people put under a basket. And I already covered what happened for you earlier in the message. But I had a choice that day to fulfill the words of Yeshua just in my own life or in the lives of many. Of course, I chose the latter. Many of you who are here today because of that choice. You heard a radio program. Tuned into Out of Zion, read the website, and then you made a choice to be part of this community. You made a choice. You're here today. And because of that, you're part of the prophecy that's being fulfilled, John 4.23. 
You know, that was the task that I was given to do. That's exactly what God told me to do, to preach that. I'm doing exactly what God told me to do today. Exactly. Preaching John 4.23. That was the task I was given to do. And let me say something now. Everything that I ever do in this place will be filtered through that verse. With every task I do, it will be filtered through that verse. I always say to myself, does it fulfill the verse or obscure the verse? Because it's the task I was given to do. Would this be part of the truth in the worship of the first century or would it be part of the distortion? And if you come here, whether you figured it out or not, you become part of this prophecy. This congregation will never be anything different because it's what I was sent to do. It's why it never changes. People come in here and marvel because it never changes. It's never going to change because it was what I was sent to do. And with everything I do, I filter it through that verse because that's what God told me to do. And when you come through the doors, when you walk through the doors, you become a member or a sojourner. You're promising to support this ministry with your money, your time, your talents. You begin to, when you begin to do that, you're a fulfillment of the words of Yeshua as certainly as those gathered in the sukkah 20 years ago. And just as certainly as the disciples of the first century were. If you come here and sit, you don't help, you don't exercise your talents, develop your talents, you don't give financially, then you're fulfilling the prophecy in a different way, aren't you? You're like me if I'd have gone up north and sat. You see, the choice is always ours. The choice is yours as surely as it was mine. And as I said, don't worry too much. It's only an eternally lasting choice. Don't be too concerned. That's you. That's all of us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about me. I have some tough choices as well. On the one hand, you know, I, I have a much shorter distance to run than when I started the race. I'm a little ways down the road. How the race is exactly going, I'm not the judge. But let me say this. I intend to finish the race with the same dedication to winning the prize as when I began. The radio and television shows are going to continue. You know, I've had some say, well, maybe, you know, that's too much money. We don't need that, that many visitors anymore and, and it bring, uh, that it brings in any longer. And the radio and TV, maybe they're not as necessary as they were at one time. And there's been days when I looked at the finances and I thought the same thing. And then the Lord kind of shook me. And he says, remember, that is not the reason you started those ministries. You started those ministries to be a fulfillment of John 4.23. Not to build a congregation, but so that wherever, whether or not people who watch or listen come here to worship or not, they will at least hear the truth and have those things restored in their lives. I had to marvel last night because God just, you know, he just uh, confirmed what I was saying. We had a family come in and they sat here, a whole family visiting last night. 
And I walked up to him and I said, you know, uh, how did you hear about us? And he said, well, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago, we came to your congregation over there for the festivals and you gave us a, you gave out a whole series on the Feast of the Lord. We used to give out series on the Feast of the Lord. People would say, what are you doing that for? He says, and you gave that out and I don't know how many times we've listened to that. You see, the radio and the TV are to plant seeds. And we never know. We're never going to hear. Most times we'll never hear what happened to the seed. Once in a while, God gives us a glimpse of what happened to the seed, like last night. One day, we'll see the seeds. We'll see what happened to the seeds. Part of my race to run before I leave here is to train a younger man to carry on this ministry. I want the building to be paid for so that when I leave the burden, I don't want to leave the burden of this building for the young man who carries on this ministry. And let me say something else. He will carry on this ministry. I will not change from John 4.23. And the person that I train will have that vision or he will not be the one to take over. That's what discipleship is all about. Amen? But I want it paid for so that he doesn't have the burden that I've had and then he can run an even better race because he doesn't have the weight on his back as he runs. And hopefully I'll see him run right on by me. I want it paid for so that when I leave this place, I can be sure that those who have run the race with me will always have this place to come and worship. And it will be paid for in about five years. So we're working toward that. Part of the race is that I still have studies I want to finish. I have one word I want to preach. Here and about. As a younger man takes over, I want to reach out to the outside a little bit more, to the outside of the community as well. Make no mistake though, I intend to finish the race so as to win the prize. I run, as Shaul says, with purpose because I don't want, I want the end of this race, I should say, to have it written in the continuation of the book of Acts. That while he didn't live the first half of his life so well, while the first half of his life was wasted in the world, the last half of his life was lived to fulfill those words spoken by Yeshua, a time is coming and has not come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. See, I want you to see today that this is our opportunity and ask you to join me. I know the world order is pressing in around us, making it harder. I know that world order is pressing in around us. And I know that it's tearing at our finances, the morals of our society are in a state of decay, It's harder to raise our children. I know the worries of the world are greater than they've ever been in my life anyway. These things are pressing in. They're taking our time. They're taking our resources. But what I want you to see, and the point I've been trying to make all day, that's the opportunity. 
That's the opportunity. That's the test. Think of the pressures that crushed in on the life of Abraham as he climbed that mountain. The voices screaming in his head, What are you doing? Are you mad? His choice was a thousand times harder than ours. Think of Yeshua as he climbed the mountain. Ten thousands times harder than ours. Think of Peter as the world questioned him about knowing Yeshua just before that temple crier, the rooster, crowed. Think of the fear that gripped him. We know how they responded. Question is, how will we respond? Will we respond with the faith of Abraham? Or will the book of Acts record something different for us? It's our choice. It won't come again. Time is short, not just for me, but I can tell you that the time is short for the world. Many of you here will not live out a full life before Yeshua returns and the opportunities end. Time is short, the stakes are high and eternal. And so let's be children of Abraham. Amen.